1: to episode 11 of the Husky International series and my first ever interview with a snowboarder. Antti Auti is by far one of the most influential snowboarders of his generation and he is one of two people ever to beat Sean White in the X Games halfpipe. My name is Magnus Ormestad and this is the Swedish outdoor podcast Husky. Find out more about the other international episodes and all the Swedish ones at huskypodcast.com. You can also find me on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at the handle huskypodcast. Where is home to you?
2: Home is in Rovaniemi, Finland. I was born there and still live there with my girlfriend. It's easy spot to travel to north from there. We have pretty nice ski resorts nearby in Finland for the early season riding and then for when the light comes a little bit longer we can start
1: traveling to the north. Uh, what was it like growing up in, in Rovaniemi? Because it's I mean just to to be precise it's very far up north. Yeah
2: it's right above the Arctic. It's actually Rovaniemi is right at the Arctic Circle so Pretty much, we have the Santa Claus village where people go take uh, tourist photos, like they jump over the Arctic (laughs) Circle, take a photo and go back, that's how it is there, but yeah, it's really nice place to grow up, we have um, lots of uh, sports when you grow up there like i was living next to the ski resort so I, every day after school i would go just snowboarding <laughs> so yeah it was really easy
1: was it was it did it come natural to you do your your parents are like they everyone is skiing there or oh
2: yeah definitely in finland cross country skiing and ski jumping are the big things and you know we live next to the ski resort and the ski trails so we were doing a lot of skiing before but then When I was 10 I just wanted to try snowboarding because it was way more fun and it was kind of just a few older guys were doing it at the small ski resort where I started it so yeah I think naturally it just started because I was living so close to the ski resort and all the young people went there so and I wanted to go too. Uh,
1: Would you say that your family is kind of a um, is your family kind of a nature Inter- is your family interested in nature? Did you go out like summertime and uh, all year round out in the in the mountains and in the forest?
2: <laughs> yeah, like in Finland, we definitely have more or less. We go into the lakes and stuff. In the we have a summer cabin our parents have, and that's where they took us so many times. And definitely, like I guess you can say, my dad is really into sports. He watches all. It doesn't matter if it's a. If it's cross-country skiing or or snowboarding or something in summer, he has an opinion about how <laughs> someone should do something, so it's really funny. And yeah, I guess through that, you know, a very outgoing family, you could say, for the nature at least, during the summer
1: especially. So, yeah. Um, what did you want to become when you, when you grew up? What did you dream of as a kid? Mm.
2: <coughs> I wanted to do something Uh, first I wanted to be a cook, but now I don't want to be a cook anymore. (laughs) 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 Then I wanted to do something with the, with internet and stuff. And once I started like snowboarding more and started to get better, I was trying to think like maybe this could be the job. So I think after the first time I ever went to do a competition, it was more or less like really like kickoff for the uh, trying to achieve the a dream of being a professional snowboarder.
1: Uh, do you remember the first time like the first impression you had of of snowboarding? I do have a really funny one when we went to buy a, my first
2: snowboard it was like five centimeters longer than I was and <laughs> the guy who sold it in the store had it set it up and goofy which means like the right leg is going on the front and I, I told him I'm a regular, I need the left leg on front, but he didn't understand. So he just turned to play the Bindings 360 and I was riding goofy the whole first day and I thought that this is not the way it's supposed to go. And <laughs> then I accidentally turned and switch, and I was able to ride down the whole trail and that was really
1: fun. <laughs> and then it
2: was, on oh, second day was way better. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. Um. But you said you... Uh you participated in a contest quite early.
2: Yeah, I did. Uh, I think the first contest I ever did was probably at the local mountain around when I was eleven. But on uh, when I was thirteen, I went to first like Finnish national cups and stuff. And then I was in the junior or national team since I was fourteen years old. And from there on, like they helped me a lot, like to get better in snowboarding and stuff, especially in pipe riding.
1: But that was, that was um, the thing, like a uh, half pipe, that was the, the main riding you were doing? Yeah, well, I was doing all kinds of riding, like in my home resort,
2: there was no jumps or pipes that much, so we were building our things and then we were just shaping pipes by hand and stuff like this, so it was just naturally came to me to ride in the pipe, because I like riding transition and then a lot of better riders who I look up still and they they were riding pipes so it was like everybody's riding half pipe and that's the thing so I wanted the right pipe as well and it was really easy for me to adapt to that it was there was a lot of people
1: who to look up because that was in the like early ni- mid nineties or early 90s mm, it's like it? early two thousand okay, okay okay yeah. okay I started riding
2: nineteen ninety five so mm. I think two thousand one
1: was the first year when I went to World Cup and stuff so yeah. Because in the '90s, I remember the like the Finnish riders were like outstanding when it came to halfpipe, and I remember this interview with there was one rider I totally forgot who it was, but he said like, "Well, in Finland we don't have that many big mountains and the snow isn't always that good, so we have yeah. like icy, icy ha- half, <laughs> we have uh, icy halfpipes, and that's yeah. what we that's what we ride," and and everyone was like jumping so high and like yeah. yeah so that was would you would you say how would you say that the finnish snowboard scene what was like when you started what is
2: uh, it was pretty much as you described it i think um, i grew up watching a lot of riders who come from an era with Terry hawkins and ingemar backman and it was all about transition riding and i think more or less riding pipe was the thing how you would actually develop your skill of for all around snowboarding, because it will help you ride really well in the with your edge and control your board. And um, I think that I'll definitely like looking up to these guys really lead me to what I am right now with my snowboarding too, but just changing a lot. Now the pipes are so much bigger and there's not too many pipes like this up north anymore. So people just go ride jumps more and more and, there's nothing bad about that but i think for overall free riding and stuff having a background as a pipe rider helps a lot
1: good for the technique and the uh, balance and everything i guess yeah
2: i think it's really good for your for your riding and for your eye because the way you look at the mountain is that you're trying to find these transitions where to do a turn or to do an air rather than finding a roller where you can build a jump so it's more or less just trying to ride as much natural terrain as you can when you go in the mountains and pipe riding is like that you know you have to be able to handle the transition down low and that's how it is in the mountains to how to ride the line really nicely or how to jump into a gully really nice way and keep your flow going and that's really it's the same feeling as you can get in the pipe in the, one of the best days, you know.
1: Uh, was it always natural for you to kind of dedicate yourself to this, to this dream of becoming a pro snowboarder? Did your family, did your parents, like support you? Yeah, they, my dad and my mom really supported me to do whatever
2: I wanted. Like if I like something, they were like giving me one hundred percent support for sure. But sure, like I don't know, I I never really thought that like it was in my mind, like I want to be a professional snowboarder and I didn't really, then after that, after the thought came into my mind, I just put the school aside kind of, and I did really bad in school because of (laughs) that for sure. And that was a big deal, of course, we had to do some little conversations with my parents about that. (laughs) There's no problem with that, but for sure for snowboarding itself, they always gave me the 100% like, you should do it if you like it, you know.
1: As a kid, did you uh, did you dream of adventures?
2: I definitely. It's funny the how you first you dream about going to contest and then you go to contest, then you dream about winning the contest, and then you dream about going to the. Do the World Cups and that's how it goes. And then when you go to the World Cups and you go to the Invitational contests, you might start feeling like i'd like to go to the mountains and do what these guys do and you know it just evolves and it's funny to see like i'm getting every year getting a little bit older and thinking like ah this could be another cool adventure to do and you know it's it's definitely not about so much anymore about how successful you can be in one day it's more about how good the trip is going to be and stuff so that that's a big big factor too like trying to be ready for the changes that the trips will bring
1: you really (laughs) Um, what motivated you to uh, to keep riding and keep aiming for those competitions I
2: think a very important thing is that where, where I learned to snowboard and snowboarded there was not too many riders who were in same age as me so we didn't really see too many tricks we just saw snowboard movies and we were trying to do some stuff that the people in the in the movies were doing but then in the contest you could see a lot of riders do different kind of tricks and stuff and that was really something that i was really Found of like that I wanted to go to contest to see how these guys are riding and try to get better and someday I could maybe beat those guys in the contest and that was really the first thing that really drove me to do competitions not so much to be the best but more or less to get better at riding.
1: Um, How important was the social social part of snowboarding because I guess you were riding with friends and when you grew up and, and everything.
2: I think in Finland especially the snowboard scene has always been down south more and it's now it's starting to sp- it has spread a lot now it's in the north as well where I live but when I went to the contests and stuff, I was definitely more or less an outsider there, and they, I had too ma- I had no not too many friends from because all my friends were in Romania, but they were not picked for the national teams or anything like that. So I just needed to make new friends and stuff. But through snowboarding, you can do that. But they're always in. It's a kind of a crazy individual sport especially when you do competitions some people are re- very contest driven <laughs> too there's no doubt about that maybe they might be laid back in the in the front of the camera but when stuff. it comes to ra- race yeah. day, it's there's there's definitely the rivalry there but it's really nice i think that pushes the riding too
1: when when you got your do you remember the first sponsors that you got
2: yeah i got a um, the distributor from DaKin and um, Lamar and Flow bindings back in the days. Um Bill Up a Clothing Day he um he hooked me up with some stuff and my dad was kind of taking care of it because I was too shy to talk to a like, sponsor <laughs> of course. But yeah, through him we I got like introduced to um to the companies and I did some stuff for them as a junior and then I was I wrote for Billabong over, uh, over a decade after that. So yeah, it's a long time. and Yeah, there's a big, it was a big help from this guy Jari Laakso from Turku actually and he's He's been pushing a lot of Finnish riders out to the world <laughs> and to make
1: their names. So it's been a good um, Because these like the first taking the first, first steps into the pro life mm. um, Did it feel like unreal at the time as it happened, or were you like, well, of course I'm getting sponsored because i'm because I'm good at it did you did it, you it felt like a really a
2: big dream come true when I actually got enough budget to not to ask money from my parents. That was really cool. I think I felt like that was like a game changer for me like but that was when I was maybe 17 years old, so that was really cool. And before that I was really like Kind of I had a little bit of budget I could do a trip or two But when I ended up actually getting my first contract where I was able to just go travel and only think about snowboarding That was a really big thing for me.
1: And that was when you were like 17 years
2: old. Yeah, I did Mm -hmm. really well year before so i was able to travel with the money i won from the world cups and stuff so that was really nice but i couldn't i didn't really think i'm a professional because i felt like if i win the competition it doesn't make me a professional what makes me a professional is when uh, my sponsors actually see me as one and would offer me a budget to do what i really like to do and then i'm able to focus on getting better
1: when you uh but where did the budget money end up? What what kind of uh, trips did you did you buy? Where did you go?
2: Uh, we did. Uh, I I went to do a lot of riding in the summer because I wanted to be ready for the for the first contests and stuff. So I rode a lot in Mount Hood, and I rode a lot in the fall time in the glaciers in Europe, which was really nice because then I then I'd never done that before. I was able to ride all year round and that was super nice. <laughs> so I did that. Quite a few years actually and that was really fun and that's where I usually used most of my money just trying to get better at snowboarding and to do those trips and I think I'm still on the same journey I'm just doing trips differently now. The never-ending winter. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Like, yeah, that's my girlfriend is saying like, the season's been
1: long. I'm like, yeah, it's not done yet. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, you were picked for uh, Finland's national team. Yeah as a, quite young, like 14, 15.
2: Yeah, I was 14, I got into this, there was a year that they held uh, like a youth Olympic games in Finland and I was picked for one of those teams there and I ended up doing, I getting third there and then I got lifted the junior junior team and then I went straight to snowboard team Finland, like the professional team, after I did pretty
1: well on the junior stuff and yeah, that's how it started. Um, like how did your like the 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 beginning of your because you have a you have a, a extremely impressive track record when when mm-hmm. you look at competitions when did you uh, uh when did you start to pick that up like like really pick it up on an international level mm, i think i did okay in
2: 2003 and 2004 but and, like and
1: by and by competition it was mainly uh yeah, big yeah i
2: I did some jumps Hmm. as well and i did i rode everything during those years and it was good like but to go out i never got nobody asked me to go like do you want to go film Mm -hmm. i'm like i would have gone of course because that's those guys those were the guys who i looked up to when i was a kid too but my gateway or my way to get to become professional snowboarding was through the Finnish national team and going to the World Cups and stuff. And so I did a lot of World Cups through first years, and then I started to get invited to these bigger contests. And I think from two thousand and four on, I was able to do quite well in some of those. And two thousand and five, I won the X Games, and then it was kind of a breakthrough. After that, I got invited for all contests for like five years in a row and stuff like this. So it was really easy for me to travel and just make my schedule to those invitational contests. And uh, that was mainly in in North America? Yeah, and then we did a lot of contests in Japan and we went to Chile actually, and we were in Australia and we we traveled. I traveled the whole world pretty much after that year. And uh, yeah,
1: I had a lot of mileage points and (laughs) (laughs) for sure. (laughs) and you were uh, you were head to head with you were competing with uh, maybe most famous Sean White
2: yeah, I did a few times with Sean, and yeah, with a lot of other riders too, but he's like almost same age as me, so it was like really cool, but I don't think these guys are coming from a whole other way of doing snowboarding like. Like in uh, America, you can't even compare how the national teams and sponsors are supporting the, <laughs> <laughs> the athletes there. When you when comes to Finland, like <laughs> it's a whole other different world, really.
1: So. But you beat him in. Uh, you're one of very few people who, uh, who uh, who have beaten Sean White in. Uh, it was a super Pipe.
2: Yeah, I won him in superpipe two thousand and five, and then we did some. Big Air contest and Aaron's style as well and win him there too and that was actually I didn't even think about like it's funny because a lot of people just compare it like you have won Sean White or you have won this and that but it's more or less as doing a, as good as you can it doesn't matter who's against you in the contest and if you think like okay I'm against this guy who has won everything and you don't, you think like you're not gonna be able to win him then you're already lost you know so it's basically it's just riding for yourself and Doing the best tricks you can at that moment. And if you can do that, then you can then you can be satisfied so But writing. did
1: you did you you say that now? Yeah, of <laughs> but, course. Did, but did you were you that because it's a very mature way of looking at it? Yeah. Have you always been that uh, have you always had been able to, to keep that mindset?
2: I'm always able to keep that mindset for sure because I I think when I'm looking at my er, snowboarding right now i stopped competing just because that mindset started to feel like kind of the same in a way Mm -hmm. it's like okay i can do this run in this in this in these conditions but if the conditions are worse what what can i do i'm gonna try to do the same run but i'm i i do not know it's hard to explain but when you do a lot of competitions and you do it for yourself, that's the thing, like you have to do it for yourself. Mm-hmm. If people are expecting you to do stuff for them, for example, sponsors can expect that. They, you have to do this competition, but you don't want to do it, then you're probably not going to do really well because you're not thinking, <laughs> you know? So yeah, it's definitely difficult to say, but when you enter a competition, you have to feel like you've already like done really well and then i think you can do well that's what i've always thought
1: Uh, but was it something that um, did you did you get tired of the industry or did you get like did it kind of scare you off that after a while that you feel like well this is this is not for me
2: Mm, i've never got it i don't think i got tired of the competitions or the industry i got tired of traveling and riding exactly the same locations every year like I was able to make all my plans like maybe July. I was able to tell my parents and my friends like I'm gonna be out like this time and uh, I'll go here and here and here. But now it's super spontaneous for me. Like I can I can plan one trip a year and it's Japan because I know Japan's gonna have a good snow so I can <laughs> go there and shred powder and get ready for some little bit more difficult adventures. and. That's why we're here in Björkliden and Riksgranzen now as well, you know. Trying to see if the weather's gonna cooperate and we can go ride right bigger <laughs> lines, you know. And it's really nice. It's more difficult to people close to me because they have no idea when I'm gonna go. But to me it's more
1: of an adventure, of course. Yeah. Um, as you as you kind of because I guess now you, you consider yourself you have left the like the com like you have left the competitions Mm -hmm. behind you Uh, did you feel that you kind of changed culture as you got into the backcountry or did you uh did you bring something like i think i've definitely brought the
2: professionalism for sure from the contests and the fact that i want to get stuff done is Mm -hmm. something that really drives me but what I didn't have is patience, and here you can learn that. <laughs> you I have didn't have waiting any, for the wind. I too. didn't have that patience. <laughs> like I knew, like in the contests, if it's a bad weather, you're gonna do the contest because it's set. There are TV schedules, there are all these things, the factors, and it's gonna go down. If the if the conditions would be gusty winds, they might postpone it a little bit. But if there's a little chance for a contest, they're gonna hold it. But here it's like. If it's not good conditions you cannot go because it's the mother nature really like and you cannot play with that too much
1: (laughs) not even espn can no (laughs) no
2: no that's just how it is and i like that because that that is also something that i think that they don't teach you when you become a professional or when you go to national teams it's like that is a mental game you have to
1: learn really Yeah. Um, did you have a, a certain place, like a certain trip or moment, when you uh, when you discovered something new with the with the backcountry, uh, uh, like the, the, the stuff that you're doing now? Well, I was um,
2: I was in Japan maybe 2005. Yeah, we went there for uh, this big contest called like the Japan Open, Nippon Open is called, and we were riding in Niseko actually. That was the first year, first time I ever went riding real Japanese powder, and I was able to land from big cliffs. And I was thinking, like, <laughs> what? What are people talking about landing in the powder? But Japanese powder is so different. So I was like, really hooked on it. Like I can jump anywhere I want and then we went to States, we went to jump and I was just eating shit the whole time <laughs> falling down and stuff and that was really an eye-opener for me because that was a whole nother world like how can how can something like just turning your board feel so good and how can a, a jumping from a cliff or reading the terrain make you feel so small because it's a whole nother different thing to go in the resort do a 1080 go back Warm a sauna and chill, and do it next day. He, in the in the mountains and in the trees, tree riding you you have so many different factors that you have to think about to make the riding look good. So that is really something that I
1: I like to do a lot. What kind of what kind of experience did you have when it when it came to like backcountry mentality and uh, uh, like mountain skills or whatever? I think my
2: my desire for like riding mountains and stuff is it comes from the pipe riding i like to ride something that has a good flow i don't like to i don't like to watch movies where you do jump turns or i, I like to watch them but i don't get influenced and inspired i like to watch stuff that people do fluent run and turns and if that happens you know the condi- either the conditions are good or this rider is really really good making it look that well so that's something that I'm trying to learn like if you go into a big mountains and the conditions are not good but you still want to try it for the video and for yourself to push your limits a little bit and sometimes I can look at my footage and like uh, my riding looks like I'm a beginner and it's because of the conditions but then I'm always thinking like it was my choice to go ride this line in these conditions and I couldn't make it look good so how can I do it better next time, and how can I read the mountain better? And that's a really important thing. How to read the snow? Where is the good snow, and where is the bad snow? So Here you can learn if it. it's mainly windy. <laughs> <laughs> so wind's going to take the snow somewhere. And you're going
0: to have to like read it well. So I, I think it's a great challenge. Yeah. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care.
1: Yeah. um how did you go about like, appro- approaching this because in two thousand and five you're in Japan discovering this this like this powder um did you at some point set like a like a plan for yourself like okay now i want to when did, uh, like by the way, when did you make your own movie like when did you start uh shooting movies well, we did like two
2: thousand and ten i we established like that i'm gonna start moving towards like backcountry we're going to start doing little webisodes and we did a few of them I was doing just more or less learning and stuff and then 2011 we did the first movie with my filmer Teemu Lahtinen and from there on we've been just trying to take it step by step it's it's been more or less like okay you're a freestyle background snowboarder so you will go there you will do jumps and stuff but then at the end of the day I'm like I don't really think I like to shovel so much. <laughs> so, <laughs> so
1: it's more or less
2: like do people, ex- you're battling with this idea that people expect me to do tricks, hmm. but what if I'm expecting myself? What do I like to do? And it's like battling with these things, and you're talking with your sponsors, and they're like, you maybe do a couple tricks it would be cool like okay if we find a spot but now I'm just more or less like no I'm not gonna take out my shovel anymore <laughs> not, <laughs> not for a long time at least <laughs> also guides in the mountains they respect me way more now because I
1: don't dig any jumps <laughs> the cliche snowboarder always like with the shovel yeah, body, I don't a shovel yeah I don't think I don't think we
2: would like to put any budget for the heliboarding or riding lines if we would actually stop
1: and start <laughs> building a jump. so um that inspiration that drives drives you now in your like back country direction is it a like internal inspiration that you get like from from what you want to achieve and what you want to create or yeah. is it do you also is it also important with inspiration from for instance movies and, and the colleagues and friends and yeah i think i get this from the movies
2: still. I'm really watching a lot of snowboard movies, but now I'm looking... When I'm watching the movies, I'm looking more of a story. It's just me getting older, I think. I want to have a story behind why... Why is this guy doing that kind of stuff? And crazy line writing needs to have a story. Or natural airs need to have a story. It's, like, so much better, I think. But, um, yeah, my my idea is still to be able to just ride with fluent lines but in a little bit bigger scale and when i wanted to come here to start this is like the first year i'm actually exploring more mountains outside of bjerkleeden and rickskansen and i don't think a lot of snowboarders actually know what's out there like when we went to near kepnekaisa i was like yeah this is my new project for for many years i think it's super nice good outruns and i feel very good about going there because especially the outruns are like long into the basins and there's not not huge exposure sometimes so it's really nice i I felt comfortable and Really motivated to ride some stuff there, so I heard I'm you looking heard,
1: forward to go back. I heard you had a good uh, recon route around the Kedmakais, and you were all like super stoked for the stuff that you that you found.
2: Yeah, we went with uh, Anders Parivall, Arctic guides. They took us around, and Anders is a really good guide, so he showed us a lot of things around. We actually did one first descent there too, but snow was not the most epic but the fact we we got to ride it and we got to see the spots is really nice because we found some stuff that if we could get really good shots people would never believe that that's in Sweden so it's really cool Uh,
1: this stuff that you're doing and this stuff that because there's more and more I would say it feels like it's it's more and more like snowboarders discovering the backcountry and getting splitboards and everything. Yeah. Is it a part of the Jeremy Jones effect? <laughs> it's, to me, I look
2: up to Jeremy Jones a lot, of course, but I think I have more friends who are more inspired by Jeremy's riding and his approach to the mountain. I'm still really inspired by Craig Kelly and. Of course. and Nicholas Müller and Terry Harkinson and Johan Olofsson, they are the riders who I've always like, looked up to. Like, I looked up to all the riders who can ride the natural terrain really well. And I think Jeremy Jones is the best big mountain rider ever. And it's funny when I was looking at his riding when I was a kid, I'm like, what is this guy doing? I don't understand. And now that I look at his early parts, I'm like, he's been on the next level for a long time. And now it's like really sick to see that I think there's a chance for us to from here to to try to achieve
1: something cool in these mountains here Um What do you get from What do you get from like being out in, in the nature like this? What do you what do you get from it? Well, I get a lot of
2: I think Especially if you got the mountains you feel so small and you you need to take a step back and just focus on what you're gonna do like if you pick a line you want to ride and you see another line it can be distracted super easily in your mind if you're just focusing on your riding so it's like I've learned a lot when I've been when I went to the bigger mountains that I have to just take it easy and take a step back and focus on one task (laughs) (laughs) time so yeah I think Patience is one thing I've learned through being in the bigger mountains in Norway and
1: here in Sweden, of course. Because there's another spot in Norway that I've seen in your movies that a lot of you you go to a lot and a lot of uh, Finnish riders. Yeah,
2: about. Tamok, Tamokdal, and not too many Norwegians even know about this place because it's so small. But uh, yeah, a lot of Finnish free riding pioneers went there earlier and then, you know, a Finnish guy goes there, another Finnish guy goes, <laughs> and then another one. And then my friend went there. And no, it's the Finnish Valley. Yeah, it's a funny name <laughs> for it. But it's really cool now people go there. and That's just how it is. And but yeah, we've been there many years and I, I think I'm going to visit there every year because I really like it there. Sometimes maybe the riding there in the bigger terrain is... Definitely like it's really big I think and but it's as big as here in kepnek Kaiser, you can ride <laughs> as big lines too But uh, there's also really good tree riding out there So it's a nice way to go ride during the maybe March if mm-hmm. the conditions are not good up high You can still do really nice tree riding there
1: um, what, what would you say your relation to to taking risks and your relation to danger because the backcountry is unfortunately it's a, it's a can be a dangerous place mm. and people can end up in trouble and people may die. I think it's all about calculation what you
2: want to do. I think I'm not the guy who's gonna go ride the line that ha- is gonna have a massive cliff in the middle that you have to use a rope to get down. That's more or less snowboard, ski, mountaineering already. Like I said, I like the fluent line and good flow in the runs. So that is what I try to seek when I go riding. So always when I ride, I'm trying to think a lot like, is this worth of doing it if it's not good? And if there's a big line, but the snow conditions are not good, why you can do a smaller one and have a good time and make it look nice as well. So I think that's something that I like to do. It's I'm not chasing the first descents, but if there is one to do that looks <laughs> nice, it's really cool for sure. But more or less, I'm trying to, I think with my videos and stuff, I, it's really important for me to try to stel- tell the story of more more or less like that. We can do some really cool stuff over here too. <laughs>
1: um, have you ever had any bad experiences in the backcountry?
2: Yeah, we've had uh, we've had occurred some avalanches, of course, and I don't. I think any we haven't had any really bad situations that much, but some close calls which are definitely like they will stop you to think a lot and I think that um, you have to have a really nice crew around you to work with and if you don't have that then it's not so easy to do stuff and that's an important thing. For example having a guide is important but to have a guide that you can talk about the stuff that you want to do is really important then you can build a trust
1: relationship with him. I mean, now you've been doing this for so long, so it's uh, snowboarding is so, it's such a big part of you. But but, how do you how do you react when, like if you get afraid of some like there's some incident or you hear about something, do you ever feel that you get blocked that you, can you block yourself, um, like, by being scared? Yeah, I think.
2: I've been fortunate enough that none of my close friends have not been hurt really badly or like this but I think when you heard someone getting killed or hurt it always stops you a bit and you start thinking about like what happened but to me it's more or less it's about trying to investigate the fact that behind the the, map, the things behind what happened is important to understand because I think a lot of times people get scared of the mountains and the lines you ride in the video because they don't understand the facts that are around it, you know? And then at the end of the day, if you get hurt in the mountains by riding or hiking, it is your, your decision that you will make, you know? And it is a sad thing, but it's your, your desire and your, you are wanting to go into the mountains. So it's, you know, it's kind of a, your lifestyle and something that you really like to do. So you make the decision and this is
1: something you have to live with, you know. Uh, what would you say your, uh, your strengths as a snowboarder is? Mm. No, I think <laughs> I like, I am very
2: motivated. I am very, sometimes I'm maybe too motivated to my friends that it can be overwhelming sometimes, but <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm very motivated to do stuff because I know, like, in my point of view, in Finland there's been a lot of good writers, but they have not been able to tell the story of like to go to the mountains and stuff, and I think that is something that motivates me still. I, want, I would like to. After I'm done with professional snowboarding, I'd like to leave something behind in the videos that we've done in the future too, that people could like get inspired to leave their local ski resort and go actually ride into the trees next door and hike a little bit because that's actually pretty
1: fun. But that's a, that's an interesting uh, thing, and because I'm thinking like if you uh, if you are producing, you're planning, and you're producing movies. Um, do you ever feel that you need to balance, like, uh, because you want to inspire people, mm. uh, but also you want to, I guess, you want to create something that people can relate to. Yeah. And uh, when it comes to choosing terrain to film yeah. in, for instance, because yeah. of course, it's its easy, I mean, quote unquote, to, to, to go to Alaska and make a, yeah. make a good movie, but maybe it's more difficult to, to do it in a smaller resort or like smaller terrain kind of. Uh, do, do you do you sometimes you want to because you you, know, you tell you want to tell a story? Uh, is it important for you to to make something that people act, like normal people people with a normal budget can relate to? I think it's important to have
2: both sides in the in the edits and the videos because it's really hard for people to relate to a big line if you don't have story behind it. If you have a story for example like you've been looking at this photo or you wanted to really go there and, and you tell how you're gonna do it and how you you explain before you're gonna even do it and then if you're suc- successful with it then it's easy to under- easier to understand like okay why is he doing it and why did, why did he do it. And then you know in the bad weather days I'm so stoked on snowboarding that i i just want to go do some stuff in the lower elevation and this is really easy for people to relate to and i love it like i love to go in the trees because hardly ever you have to be too scared to ride there and you can create some funny stuff you can even build some jumps and just have a good time so you can have both sides of these things and the other thing is like riding lines will push me as a rider more than riding inside the trees
1: but riding in the trees is just a whole lot of fun so (laughs) it's really cool. Um, How would you describe the snowboard scene today? I think snowboard
2: scene just wants to see everything right now because of the internet and you have to do these 15 second clips that that don't tell you any (laughs) stories that's all I think but uh, I would like to make a VHS or DVD. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's it's I think like internet and snowboard scene really like without the internet I wouldn't be able to make the things we're doing right now because we have created all every all the movies we've done is just online and stuff. And I think the snowboard scene is really in my feeling it's a little bit scattered more. I think like contest riding is not contest riding. There's no more riders who can do competitions and go filming because you have to do contests because it's such a high level. You have to be on point. You cannot go and then you can do videos, freestyle videos and stuff but now free riding is also really cool. I think because of Xavier Dele and Jeremy Jones and they've created something cool and that's because they have created stories Mm. not only because of their riding. So I think that is really important and you know, there's always a story behind a nice line, so why not tell it?
1: Yeah. But if you would say if you would pick some some trends within snowboarding today, what is that backcountry is of course is one of the trends.
2: I think backcountry is getting more and more popular because the people who are riding back country are getting older. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm thirty and so ever since i was maybe 22 i've been looking at like backcountry riding more and more like I, I went riding in the trees before that as well but now a lot of my friends are buying splitboards they buy snowshoes they want to go out they want to go to a lot next to the local hill not the local hill because there's too many people at the mm. local hill so people are getting older and i think that's one of the reasons why ra- just turning a board Makes, makes it even
1: cooler, it's cooler, I think. Um, you travel a lot hmm. every year. How, how important is traveling to you? It is
2: very important. I think now traveling is kind of part of me. I like to travel. I can I see it in my crew many times that they are getting tired when I'm still like, I have no problem. I feel like I could I just stay longer and longer. And it's just, I think it's just been part of me ever since I, became professional snowboarder so it's really important for me to be able to travel and i think i'm gonna travel even though i'm not professional snowboarder you know i think but here coming here from grovaniem is so easy so Mm. it's very nice for me to know that i can stay home look at the weather and when the weather starts looking okay
1: you can you can come here for few days and make it happen here so do you know do you like in general how many days every year you spend on the road I I never count it (laughs) but uh, this this type of
2: riding we do now and filming is more or less we do a longer trips like for example Japan I don't want to go there for a week because it's such a short amount of time so I think or if you go to stage you want to stay a little bit longer just because it takes time to get stuff done
1: in the back country as well so uh, how do you spend, uh, when <laughs> when you experience summer, how do you spend the... Uh, is, is it tough to say goodbye to winter? Yeah. Can, can, can you relax in the summer? It's tough
2: for me to say goodbye to winter and spring. I like to snowboard as long as there is snow and... I think after season you always have like this two week period of like, oh, what should I do, what should I do, where should I go, should I start planning something, but then I'm lucky to have girlfriend and my parents saying to me like auntie you gotta stop it like you gotta chill and it's a good way because now I now you now I'm starting to notice the pattern like after the season I'm think I'm still my mind is so much in the season and the winter that it takes a few couple of weeks to let it settle but it's all good I think it's just part of what I do really so
1: you are an uh Ambassador and a friend for uh, Björk Lieden at now. Uh, do you remember the first time when you came here? I do remember. I was. It was springtime
2: in uh, 2010, I think. Yeah, It was really nice. I've always known where Riksgränsen is because I, I watched all the snowboard movies and stuff. But when you do a lot of competitions and stuff, your your season is... Totally different, and you are so tired after uh, in middle of March that you only want to maybe only ride for yourself a little bit, and you don't want to. I almost felt like I didn't want to do any trips, but ever since I started doing free riding more and filming, it's just I'm I'm just driving up more north and north now. <laughs> it's really
1: good. What kind of uh, <laughs> what was the energy like like coming here and? Uh, what kind of place is this do you think uh,
2: it's funny because when, when you come from Rovaniemi and stuff there's, it's full on spring but here you come here you can see snow you can see all the windlips and stuff and you're like oh it's, it's so nice I like it the terrain is just super good for me it fits to my riding really well it's natural transitions all over the place so that's what I seek for my riding too so this is why I really fell in love with the area here
1: what kind of, uh, what kind of riding do you get to do here in, uh, in Riksgränsen?
2: Oh, Riksgränsen, you can definitely pick your spots. You can go ride a longer line on the top, or you can go do ski touring, or you can go build a nice quarter pipe and stuff. So it, it all depends on about the weather and your what you want to ride really. And the perfect day, I think it's the best riding you can do here for sure.
1: Um, is there a kind of a Nordic Nordic mentality uh, if you look at the people coming from from like Norway Sweden and Finland going out becoming like international names is there such a thing as kind of a Nordic mentality when it comes to uh, the people riding and competing
2: yeah I guess so I think I think going into the mountains or hiking in the trees and riding down is just Kind of in our <laughs> blood, in a way, you know. We, and
1: we're used to uh, crappy conditions. Yeah, we are
2: used to crappy conditions for sure. We're used to riding in the rain, in the, during during no light, you know. So definitely. And I think seeing something cool in the videos that oh, these guys are riding, for example, when I saw Jurcie and a Finnish rider, riding in the mud in big jumps in states, and you're like, oh, this guy's from. Way south, there's no snow really this time of the year anymore, but he can do that. Why why couldn't I do it, you know? That's just something that really like, I think that inspires you.
1: Um, What do you see in the future for snowboarding?
2: Hard to say, the snowboarding... The scene hasn't really been selling that well lately, I think. It's been a really struggle for snowboard industry for a long time, but I, I, I heard that there is some light at the end of the tunnel now, so I think it's good. And I think for free riding wise, I think there's a big, bigger, almost I can say market or something that I can see at least in Finland, I can see like that people are getting super into free riding now and it's really cool to see that. So I have I hope that our, movies have helped in that in some way because I can see a lot of people that I don't really know sending me Facebook messages and asking about these spots in areas in Japan and Tamok and I'm like, whoa, this is pretty cool that you're actually going there, you little park rat. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so I like that. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, is it important to inspire people like that? To I it? think so. I think if you're a professional snowboarder,
2: you and you do videos, it needs to be somehow inspiring. It can be inspiring with tricks. It can be inspiring with, with stories you wanna tell to the people. And I have a feeling that my videos and the stuff we wanna do now is going towards the stories more. And I like that because a lot of people are doing the, of course I wanna inspire with, with my writing, but I don't want to be the rider who does the same tricks all over again or same lines all over again. So it's just more or less to me it's really important to tell the really nice story as well in the future.
1: What do you see in, uh, what do you see in your future? I hope to be a professional
2: snowboarder as long as I can and I'd like to explore more mountains here. I feel like that's really important thing and it's important because there are maybe, there is Alaska, there is Japan, you know, for different kind of riding and every, everybody goes there for a reason, but why shouldn't people come here and also surrounding areas here, because it's really special too, different kind of special, so,
1: and it's close to home, so it's important for me. What do you know now that you didn't know when you were 18? I know
2: that uh, there are actually I just noticed this a week ago that there are way bigger mountains here that I would have ever imagined and what else do I know? I know now that I cannot force something that if the nature is saying that you can't do it you can't when I was 18 I was just trying to force myself to do something in a day that wasn't supposed to happen so it's easier to now it's easy to say it now but it's easier for me to step back a little bit now from some difficult spots that I've been where I'm like in 18 I would have probably like tried to go ride a big jump on a windy day like today whereas today I'm saying no let's go somewhere else (laughs) have a good time you know
1: what are you uh, most proud of?
2: Mm, I think if it comes to snowboarding I'm really proud of that I've been able to be professional for so long time and i've been able to do a lot of stuff like that i've looked up to from other riders like a lot of riders that i looked up to were like doing competitions and then they moved to making snowboard videos but now that i what i'm <laughs> i i did not even know that i'm actually starting to see more and more riding lines and stuff but now i'm just seeing myself like i'm feeling like my riding is already beyond the tricks it's more or less just going out and experience and do what's available there and if that works for my sponsors and people who watch my videos then I'm really happy.
1: Uh, at what stage are you now in
2: life? I, I don't know, I turned 30 and I feel the same when I was 20, to snowboarding at least, so it's hard to say. I'm try- I, I really feel like I would like to have a place where I can settle so I think I'm going to keep living in Rovaniemi and just, I, I have a feeling we have a good good spot there with my girlfriend and I can just migrate myself up here every time I need to, so it's really good. Yeah. Sounds like a good plan. Yeah. Uh, anything you would like to add? I think it would be nice for... I think I'd like to just be able to realize back home how close we are actually living like these really big mountains and we get like there is a endless opportunities here and i'm just starting to explore them more and more you know i was in norway for a few years every spring but now i'm in sweden and i think i'm gonna just try
1: to come here more and more from now on thank you so much for taking your time no worries thanks